Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 270. Let's get ready to rumble. <coughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, during college, his miracle morning was simply waking up to see the morning. Pat Flynn. Yo, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me in this session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm really thankful you're here today. And it's gonna be a really interesting episode because we're gonna dive into, into the world of uh, manufacturing and getting things sourced and getting prototypes and working with uh, people in other countries to get those things done and shipping across the ocean and all these kinds of things related to getting your physical products done. So if you're doing any sort of e-commerce or if you're planning on doing any e-commerce or selling through Amazon FBA or for example, doing a Kickstarter campaign for some physical product idea that you have, well, you're gonna get the ins and outs of that situation with a good friend of mine, Richie Norton, who was introduced to me by a good friend of ours, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. Richie and John worked together to launch and produce what's uh, become a very popular journal now, kind of a workbook called The Freedom Journal. You may have also heard of The Mastery Journal, which John also published. Richie was you know, a major component of, of that situation and, and John's success. So I've invited Richie on today to talk about this whole process of you know, everything from uh, manufacturing and shipping and ideation and, you know, how this, it's just such an interesting conversation. So whether you plan on doing physical products or not, I'm actually undergoing an experiment myself right now with with physical products. You'll hear more about that in, in a little bit. But um, whether you're involved or going to be involved in that industry or not, it's just really interesting to learn how this all works and what can be done and what's possible. It's going to open your eyes to certain things that you might be seeing every single day. So let's not wait any longer. This is Richie Norton from Prouduct.com. That's like proud and product together, Prouduct.com. And also the author of a book that I love. It's called The Power of Starting Something Stupid. And we'll talk about why that's the name and what it, me what it means at the end of the show. Uh, but here we go. Here's Richie Norton. What up? So excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm really excited. Grateful to be here, Pat. You're the man. Oh, no, dude, you're the man. You've already helped me quite a bit. I'm I'm so excited to dive into a number of different things today. As many people know who are listening to the show right now, 
Uh, this is sort of physical product month, if you will, on SPI, and you've helped me a lot already with my approach to my physical product experiment, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first of all, you also wrote this amazing book that's getting rave reviews. It's called The Power of Starting Something Stupid, and yes. I also want to dive into that as well. But before all this, I just want to say, first of all, again, thank you, and tell us how you got to where you're at. Like, Tell us your one or two minute origin story like where did where did Richie Norton and and uh, come from and how did you become an expert in all this stuff <laughs> well I'm the stupidest one of all that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> and uh the the short of it all is honestly when I was a kid I asked my dad hey dad I want to get a job what should I do he said it's the worst thing a dad could say but maybe the best thing he's like you don't want a job I'm 16 years old and my dad's telling me not to get a job. I'm like, what's wrong with you, dad? I want to make money. That's not Dads aren't supposed to say that. He said, no, if you work all summer with minimum wage, whatever, you're not going to make any money. He said, go to El, I'm from San Diego. He says, go to El Centro, buy watermelons from the watermelon patch that are irregular sized because they can't sell them to the grocery stores. I'm like, okay. And I like take out, you know, the seats in our minivan and we fill it up, me and my brother, fill it up with watermelons to the point where the car is like a full-on lowrider. Mm-hmm. And um, I sell them on the 4th of July and make more money in one day than I would have made the whole summer. And so when I realized I didn't have to trade my time for money, everything changed. So since then, my first business, I was in college. I met this family from Mongolia. I know. <laughs> I kind of got my start in real business in outer Mongolia. Started a cashmere company there. Started getting involved more with stuff in China. And then, you know, as, as things go and the internet becomes more popular, I start getting into, you know, books, online courses, training, speaking, in addition to the physical product stuff that I do. Yeah. And how long uh, have you been doing this for? Like the, the online stuff? Probably about 10 years, more or less. Yeah. And the way that Richie and I got connected was actually through a mutual friend of ours, uh, John Lee Dumas, who you all know. And John uh, spoke very highly of Richie, and I connected with him after that because, uh, Richie, you helped John with some of his stuff. You want to talk a little bit about uh, what, what you had done for him? Yeah, so podcasting, I'm not – so just to be clear, I don't have my own podcast, but I'm – yet. I'm, I'm going to do it one of these days, but I'm on a lot of podcasts, and it's changed everything because – it's a great way to reach people with, you know, a great message and it's mutually beneficial for the listeners. And so when John had me on his podcast, basically what happened is a listener of his and a reader of mine introduced us. Mm-hmm. So I got on his podcast and at the end he asked something like, well, what, you know, something like what fires you up? Like, what's your next big thing? And I'm like, well, I have this company called Product where we help entrepreneurs source things from China because Alibaba is not necessarily the best way to go. Uh, there's, there's, you know, we can get that later. And he's like, really? I want to talk to you more about that. So I'm like, cool. So he tells me about his idea for the Freedom Journal. I explained to him how easy and or difficult it's going to be. And I met with him in San Diego and we went from there. So we helped him. He wrote the book. He did everything. He's amazing. And we basically put the whole package together in China, everything from, you know, having them physically make it, ship it, or he organized, uh, orchestrated the warehousing, and the warehousing ultimately does the fulfillment. So we helped him orchestrate that part of it while he went off and did that amazing Kickstarter that did four hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars in thirty-three days, and then he went on and did the Mastery Journal, which is crushing it too, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And so the company, your company's name is Proudduct. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proudduct, right? Like, what are you saying? Like, is that some kind of random accent that you have? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's product, it's proud, products you're proud of, Proudduct. And it just so happened that domain was available, and I'm like, score. So Proudduct.com, ProudUCT.com. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I love it, too, because you want to make a product that you can be proud of and the more proud you are of it the more likely it is that you're going to succeed with it i mean that's just that's just common business mindset as you go into it and so speaking of that i want to talk about physical products you've helped jld you've helped me a little bit as well with some sort of consultation and connecting me with the right people and at the time of this recording i'm still right in the thick of it actually richie i don't know if you even know but i have now collected a number of beta users who are going to be starting to use prototype versions of our calendar sort of project and then it's going to move oh, into man. more of the sort of you know then we're going to design it out and stuff but i love it i think i saw something on your instagram stories a picture or a little video of something and i was like whoa he's making stuff happen like yeah, yeah so yeah. that's cool that's cool i know a lot of people they either have a business online already which is doing fantastic and they're doing courses mm-hmm. or and stuff other people they want to start a business but it makes sense for the solutions they want to build to build a physical product. And so the first question I want to ask you is, what are the things that somebody needs to really consider before even making the decision to go into the physical product world? Because it's to me, it's not as easy as just, okay, I'm going to sign up for, I don't know, Teachable or something and set up an online course and then drive people into that. I mean, there's a lot more to it. So give, <laughs> give us the rundown yes. on, on what, what we need to know before we get into this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna like cut through all the fat and just tell you exactly. First, I'll say what not to do, and then what to do. Thank you. What not to do is to think that you have to do and be everything. Okay, because if you're like, I want to sell. I'm just gonna say a widget. I want to sell a physical widget. Well, what what many people think is now I have to learn how to make a prototype. Then I have to learn how to manufacture it. Then I have to learn how to you know ship it, warehouse it, deliver it. And what ends up happening is that process could cost them millions of dollars. And but for example, this isn't a manufacturing thing, but it is a physical product. Somebody contacted me as a, they inherited some money and they wanted to sell organic chocolate. And I'm like, cool. And their first thing was, I'm going to spend a million dollars on a building. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just look up private label chocolate bars and like, let's have these done tomorrow. Go start selling, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you don't have to do everything. There are people who are experts. You have to be the master at orchestrating the whole thing, right? Mm. Having the idea that is something that's sellable. Make it consumable to the person that you're trying to sell it to. Okay, that said, you don't have to be everything because what happens is when you realize you have to be everything and or it costs tons of money and time, you just end up doing nothing. Exactly. It's too big. I will do it when I retire and I have a million dollars. Yeah, right. You're never going to do it. Right. So so for the action takers that want to do stuff right now, here's what you do. Honestly, I'm going to make this I'm going to try to make this so simple. If you have an idea for a physical product, obviously Google it and if possible, find it or something similar to it on Amazon. Find it like find it. And you're you're not going to copy them. You're not going to steal it. But you want to see what it looks like and how much you're selling it for, because that's kind of the benchmark. Now, you can decide if you're going to price it higher or lower. I mean, that's another whole story. But you kind of not want to know where it's at. So if they're pricing this thing at, say, 30 bucks, well, you have to assume there's all these fees in the middle. How much do they make this thing for? Do they make it for a dollar, $5, $10? And then you can work backwards. So if you were to do it completely on your own, 
I know I'm kind of hard on Alibaba, but you could start there or Global Sources. And there's other websites too. But you go find this thing. There is somebody making that thing and they're out there. You mean like somebody's creating that thing, manufacturing it? Someone in China, I mean 99.5% of the time, (laughs) it is made in China. If it's clothing, maybe it could be somewhere else. But usually the stuff is China. Not always, but a lot of the times. And you, and you would go to Alibaba or, or that other one you mentioned and, and so, literally so do searches there? Alibaba.com. Again, this is for doing it on your own, not using a service like right. mine. But right. Alibaba.com or globalsources.com. Those okay. are my two go-to websites. Okay, And you'd go there and you'd type in mm, okay, I'd type in fly fishing rod. Nice. Right? You've read my stuff, yes. <laughs> there you go. We actually have a fly fishing company, by the way. Oh. So, so, <laughs> so it, and you, I should show you it sometime. Anyways, so you figure this out, and you're like, whoa, there's all this stuff people are making. And you know what? They're probably not, they might, but they're probably not going to tell you the brands that are using it. But I'll tell you this. I've been into a fly fishing rod <laughs> manufacturing place in the boonies in china like boonies 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 and i've also been where they make the reels and all that good stuff mm-hmm. and i'm like hey is there somewhere we can go test these out and they said no nah, there's no rivers here there's nowhere to go i'm like wait how do you know these things work <laughs> and they said we don't we have no idea we just make what you guys tell us to make wow and i'm like oh I mean, that makes sense. So in that sense, you have to understand when you go to somewhere like China, if you tell them to make it wrong, they will make it wrong because they don't know, nor do they care. They want to make it right for you. That's where it gets tricky because you might not know the thickness of the material that's being used, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I say start on Amazon because on Amazon with that link – it might tell you exactly what it's made out of or close to it, so you now have a starting point. Okay. And if they don't tell you exactly what it's made of, you can literally send that link <laughs> to someone that's going to make it for you. And they're so smart. I was in one, we were at one factory and we're like making uh, skateboard helmets. They looked at the plastic of a helmet. We said, we want it like this. And she like puts her fingers on it and she says, she says a number and a letter. Like, what are you, what, what does that mean? And she says, oh, that's the name of this type of plastic. Like, she knew the number and letter of the material just by touching it. Hmm. That's how, they're experts. They're experts. So, you want to get close to it. So, you send China the link of what you want. You're not going to copy it. You're not going to steal it. That's, no, we're not going there. But it's a starting point, and they can look at it, and they can go, oh, yeah, we already make that one. <laughs> or they'll say, yeah, we can make that. And then at that point, that's where it starts getting tricky. Because here's what you don't understand. Maybe you do, but a lot of people don't. When you contact someone, you know, in America, it's like, yeah, here's your quote, you're done, and whatever. In China, they're not just getting hit up by Americans. They're getting hit up by every single country in the world every day. And they don't know if you're real. They don't know if you're a competitor. They don't know if you're trying to get a free sample, which happens every single day to them. Mm -hmm. They don't know. So they're going to start throwing out some crazy numbers to see if you know what you're talking about. So they might say this reel is 30 bucks, and if you say yes, oh, 
they know that you're an idiot and they're gonna they're gonna it's still a good deal to you but they're gonna take you <laughs> they're yeah. gonna take you for everything they're, they're testing you yeah you, you know because now i'm telling you this fishing story because this actually happened i'm looking at a reel and i'm like there's no brand on it i'm like this thing looks really expensive but they're selling this thing to me for like 10 bucks not a joke and so i go onto amazon right there in china they call it Yamazon, or they say something. They say they say it differently, but I go onto it, and someone selling it on Amazon and on eBay for three hundred dollars, and I'm like, but it has a brand on it. It's the exact the exact same one. And I realize the brand is what's selling this. On the same like search, I'm looking at another reel. That's the same reel with no brand on it, and it's like fifty bucks. And the comments on it are. This one's fake. Don't buy it. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> it's the same it's exact the same freaking thing. <laughs> so these are like tips and tricks. That's kind of where you start. But at some point, you got to know what's your quantity. When do you need it by? How much does the shipping cost? Because the numbers will change. If, if you want to buy 100, they probably won't even talk to you because they have maybe they will, but they have they have their own opportunity costs. Like if they have to shut down their line to make your thing for only a hundred, the real costs are in like getting it started to get going. Mm-hmm. It's not in just shooting off another hundred because yours is unique. So they want to do bulk. And so whether you're doing a small amount or a large amount, that's where the nego- negotiations come into play. And that's why products, um, anybody can find anything online. Great. But we're products, a concierge service. So we're like, Hey, we have people that speak Chinese. We go to China. We know what we're talking about. And when you go to Alibaba, you're probably not talking to the manufacturer anyways because the only one that speaks English there probably is either the owner who's not there or the uh, the college girl intern that just learned English and has no idea what's going on and has to ask her boss anyways. So we come in and we're like, hey, we know the game. We're going to negotiate this. They respect us. We respect them. It's all about that guanxi thing, the relationships. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day with us, you get the best deal possible even better than what you would have got on your own. But if you want to do it, a little plug for myself, but when you go do it on your own, that would be the process. Kind of go back and forth, make sure it's real, get a sample, test it, and then go to town negotiating to order as many as you want. Okay, let's go back to that real, not real, or yeah, real. Well, <laughs> it is it. a real example, but it's also a real example. Um, <laughs> the, the one that you found on Amazon for 300 and then also the same one for 50 because it was not branded. It's a real story, man. I was like, it was insane. Okay, keep going, keep so going. So <laughs> if, if I find that, I mean, is that a sign that that's a good opportunity or is that because it's only being sold for 10 or like I, I, you had mentioned, yeah, you're not stealing or anything, which you're not because you're just, pulling from the okay. same manufacturer but there's there's this big brand there that you said was already selling it for 300 why even go down that route in the first place or can you change it or you go so so let's talk about this for a second so people who are hearing this are probably super confused right now because was it a knockoff was it not what is it so y- y- be careful but one thing patents in america are only good in america your, your patent is for america not the whole world so recognize that but once you take something from another country and bring it into america where there is a patent or a copyright or whatever it might be now you might be infringing so there's that second thing is that's kind of a myth is that china is just knocking everybody off it's not true it's your neighbor who sees your cool thing calls up china and says my neighbor's making this i want you to make it too China is, they don't care. They're just going to make you what you want. 
it's it's your neighbor that rips you off. <laughs> they're yeah. the ones. I'm not going to say that there aren't knockoffs out there. There are, and it's usually for really huge brand name things. But for stuff that you and I might be creating, if someone's going to rip it off, it's going to be your neighbor. <laughs> and they're going to ask China to make it. Understood. So there's that. So within this example, that reel was made by the manufacturer. They own the the rights to it. And then a brand went there and said, we like that one. Will you put our logo on it? Yeah, that's why we made it. And so in that case, they're able to, unless they get some kind of exclusive agreement, the manufacturer can sell that same reel to everyone. And now it's the brand game, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that. Now, if you were to go and say, if that, if that reel was proprietary in some way, like it's unique to them, a really good manufacturer wouldn't have even shown it to me right? Mm. And um, it would be in the back. You wouldn't see what's called a mold, like how they actually create it. None of that would be happening. So that's where you have to be careful too, is sometimes there's manufacturers that don't care. But most of the, the good ones, you would never see that. So at the end of the day, yes, great deal. Buy that thing for $10 every day, sell it for 30, 40, 50 or whatever you want and let people know. You could literally say, guys, this is the same thing that brand is doing. Now, I don't know if you want to play that game or not, but you can say this is not some kind of cheap knockoff. You can compare this, test it, 30-day money-back guarantee, you know, all the stuff you normally do to sell it. But yeah, that's a fantastic deal. Could you take something like that and say, hey, you know what? I, I really like this reel. Obviously, this big brand's using it. I would like to see an extra gear in there or, you know, a, a, an additional, you know, extra you know, space to do something with, or I don't know, a hundred percent. Okay. So that, so that's why I'm saying go to Amazon. Cause you go there and you go, I like this, but I want to have this material, this, these colors. I want this added on. I am not a lawyer. I'm not gonna pretend like I know anything about every industry, but there is a percentage. It might be 20% more or less. It depends that if something's different, I'm not a legal person, but there is a, a, a certain point. If yours is different enough from something that's original, it's not infringing on anything because it's different. So there's that. So, you know, talk to your advisor about that. Right, right. But in the meantime, 100% find something, tell me you want it this much different and go to town. I mean, that's what people do all day long. Okay. So now instead of going and, and maybe, maybe you don't start on Amazon, maybe you find, you, you have an idea sure. for a physical product of your own, similar to like my calendar idea initially, which was initially Richie, it was just going to be a calendar only. Now it's a calendar slash a workbook for specific goals, which is really cool. It's actually, everybody's really excited about it. But initially we had talked about just the calendar, right? And yep. I, had pr I had presented the idea of the calendar to you. I, I, I wanted some really interesting, fun ways to keep track of certain things that you're doing, different projects, you know, all at the same time and different ways to sort of show that on the calendar. So, you know, this isn't something that anybody's ever created. So if you're yep. coming up with something like that, well, you can't go to a manufacturer that doesn't, that, that, cause that, that doesn't exist yet in that realm. How do you start? So a couple things, you're right. You can't just go to someone and say, make this for me unless somehow miraculously this manufacturer has, um, I don't know, an engineer on board, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. That's a whole separate thing, and that's kind of a nightmare to work. It's, it, could, it could work out. So I'll just say there's a possibility that could happen. Meaning they have their own engineers that could take your idea and do it for you? That's a possibility? It's possible. But rare. It's possible, but rare. Okay. okay? Especially because it's really hard. Because <laughs> even with all of our expertise, I'll be completely honest, an email or a phone call 
doesn't always translate perfectly from English to Chinese. <laughs> and I so bet, yeah. at some point, you have to get it back and go back and forth. Like that's just part of it. Now, so let's say you're in wherever country you're from. We're in America. So, you know, fortunately, we have like an engineer or multiple engineers on hand. But, 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 but. I'm trying to think because you, you're cool because you're like an architect guy. You can draw stuff. You can do things. But I want to say this to the person that has no idea what to do. Um, you, of course, you can start with Google. But at some point, you have to somehow get the idea out of your head mm-hmm. and onto paper, whether it's a drawing or writing it, writing it down. That's the first step. The second step is to talk to someone that could possibly either make it or point you in the right direction which is what you did, right? And uh, when we first talked, I'm like, you didn't know if I could make it or not. I didn't know either. But once we started talking, I'm like, oh, I have this guy that I think that can do this. And so at that point, it's really hard because like, what's it made out of? And so it depends. But if it's a piece of, of clothing or fabric, I promise you there is someone, even a freelancer online on Upwork or wherever, that will make you that thing. Same... It, elanceguru.com, all those awesome freelancer websites, <laughs> all that stuff. There is someone who is an expert at this and will make it for you for a decent price. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a 3D molding model thing, whatever, like it can happen. Then once you, I don't know how much it's going to cost because it depends on what the heck you're doing, right? right? But then once it's done and you have that physical thing in your hand. This is the like, proto- prototype say, essentially. It's the prototype. And you're looking at it and you're like, this is not what I thought it would be, <laughs> or this is awesome, or let's change it. And so you, once you get that right, and then you want to scale, you yeah. should start, I mean, try and get quotes locally because you don't have those shipping costs and things like that. I'll tell you this, I tried to get quotes, and people who have tried to, <laughs> unfortunately, knock off like what John Lee Dumas is doing, just his, his book, because it's like this faux leather, super fancy, like it's yeah, expensive. It's nice. There are people – I tried to get quotes in America. I just tried just to see, just to see. And I, I can't tell you his cost, but I will tell you that I have heard people tell me in America, we cannot make this. It's too custom. And I have had other people who have called me and said, I tried to – sorry, Richie. I tried to knock off what John was doing. They told me it would be $80 a book. This is not a joke. And I'm like – what up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes it makes sense to go overseas. Let's just be honest. And so at that point, when you want to scale, you can send that prototype to them and they can reverse engineer it. Like once they, they're, they are magic. They are so good at copying and doing exactly what you want them to do. Trying to get them to understand what you want from your head is really almost impossible. Right, right. Once they have it, game over. So get it right then send it to where you're going to have it made, you know, to scale. Yeah, I mean, in my in, our, in my calendar project, before the workbook part of it came into play, um, I had a I had a chat with you and I had a chat with an engineer friend that you, you pointed me to and we had a, an hour long phone call about what this thing was going to be like and how it was going to work. And we came to a conclusion to test our first prototype run and this person uh, 3D printed some of it and, and, you know, manufactured one version of it. And it was like on wood and had plastic parts and all these all these pieces to it. And it worked the way I had described it. But then yeah. when I was actually playing with it, I was like, this this is going to be cumbersome. And there's so many pieces here. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Because what, yeah. what I wanted to happen was have specific colors that you could pick out that were clear that you can put on top of a specific date. So you could yeah. still see what, what it was. But you can start to color match like what's happening and when. And 
it was a really cool idea in my head. But then when I saw it being played out and I had this like baggie of all these different pieces, I'm like, this is just Lego waiting to happen, <laughs> meaning people are just going to lose these things or step on them or maybe kids will choke on them or something. So, oh, no. you know, I kind of yeah. went back. I needed that prototype, though, you in did. order to make those decisions. And it was super handy. Uh, and, and I learned a lot. And that's that's the whole purpose of a prototype. But if I get to the point where, OK, it's ready to go, then I call or find somebody in China uh, if, if locally doesn't make sense to just ha- you know send it to them or like is that safe like sending a prototype like the only one you have and then <laughs> I I would start with pictures of course you know like pictures 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 okay if they require the actual prototype it would Get another behoove one you to make a second one. <laughs> and hopefully the second one is less expensive than the first. You never know. It, again, depends mm-hmm. because it might have been done at cost. It might have been done as a favor. But supposedly the second one will have less time put into it because it's already there. Right? Right. The first one, I mean – You're coming up with it as you go. It's a of. lot of work to draw it and then put it in you know, the CAD design or whatever. It's work. But once it's done, it's done, and you can print it again, which is whatever. Okay. But – whether it's safe to send your second prototype to China or not is obviously debatable because you're like, will they rip it off? Will they do this? And I will say you will see more and more. It's actually happening. You don't realize this. China, because the internet is getting, they're like saying, why do we even need someone telling us what to make? And then we sell it to them at wholesale or manufacturer's cost, not even wholesale. Mm -hmm. And then they resell it. A lot of them are saying, screw it. I'm going to put my own brand on this. And they're hiring companies to, brand them to whatever country they want to sell in. And you don't even know you're just buying stuff straight from the manufacturer. You don't even know. Um, it's happening all day long on Amazon, especially crazy. if you get something in the mail from Asia. Then you know that's happening a lot so of So in terms of finding a supplier or manufacturer, would it be best to say that, you know, start with, you know, your network if you have somebody who can kind of yeah, let for you sure. know? Okay. For sure. And then, and then know this. I mean, this is my personal opinion. First of all, piracy is better than obscurity. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And, um, if you're afraid someone's going to rip you off, and so instead you do nothing and don't show it to anyone, you have nothing anyways. Mm. It's better to like take the risk that someone's going to steal your stuff, in my opinion, because in reality they're probably not going to steal it or rip you off. But it's it is better to try and have someone rip it off than to not try at all. Okay. At least in my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, this is what I talk about in my book, Will It Fly? Like when you have an idea, share it with people because the feedback you get from people is much more valuable and, and uh, than the, the con side of it, which is maybe somebody could take that idea, but you're the one that's driven to, to, to do it. So do exactly. it anyway. Yeah. And so if you were to send it to China and your fear was they're going to steal it and rip it off, it, I guess it's a possibility, but it's very low because especially if it's a new product, they don't want to rip anything off that doesn't already have a market. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, they, they're ripping off stuff that they know already sells. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, just, it's probably not going to happen. So you should feel okay, like, making this thing, sending it over there, taking that risk, and doing whatever you can to make it happen, being first to market or maybe second. Whatever you got to do to get this thing done is way more important than the fear of everyone ripping you off. Because, yeah, dude, even if your neighbor did pick it up and change it 20% and do their thing – that could happen anywhere, anytime. Yeah. I mean, it happens every day. <laughs> so it's just part of the world. And it, unfortunately, that's the way it is. But if you're going to play the game, you got to play the game. Okay. So I have it over in China. They, they're reverse engineering it. And they're like, yeah, we could do it for this dollar amount. And, you know, they, you know, you could place a large order for it. 
I imagine that the moment before you place that large order, there's a lot of things coming across your mind in terms of like, is this the right thing to do? Is this the mm. right price? Like, should, is this even going to work? Are there anything, mm. is there anything that you could say to so, uh, sort of help a person validate that idea or, or, or put their mind at ease? Sure, sure. It's, it's terrifying. But um, if we were to back up like way up. Sure. Um, and you probably teach this every day. But I mean, I personally and what I ask my clients to do is start with a survey, you know, or something, ask people what they want yes. and give them yes. what they want. And that's where the prototype comes in. If you, if you can't communicate to someone what it is and how it will help them, I mean, that's where this whole Kickstarter thing comes in or, or whatever you want to do. You show people it and you can have people, the best way to do it is to pre-sell. I mean, mm-hmm. what if you're not putting all this money down and hoping people buy it, what if you're literally putting other people's money down that prepaid for it? I mean, that's the best thing in the world. So yeah, validating it, knowing it's going to sell is (laughs) critical, especially to someone who's not just throwing things out and seeing what sticks, someone who's like being really intentional what they're doing. You should have done your market research even before you made this thing. Right, right. Of course, we probably should have talked about that earlier, but we're good. No, that's that's good. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna order a thousand of of these widgets, yep. and I place that order. What what happens next? I imagine there's obviously some lag time to wait for that, or do do they start like do they give you a couple to show you to ensure that like yeah this is the way it's supposed to go, or like where do we go from there? So I'm gonna tell you all the secrets. So what happens is before you make it, please even if you have to pay for shipping or pay for another sample, even the sample super expensive because they have to shut down the whole line and make one get the sample in your hand, make sure it's what you want. Because if it comes back different, you're going to be mad and they're going to say, that's what you told me to make. And it will be true. <laughs> I'll make like a thousand of them. <laughs> yeah. So make sure it's right. Okay. Then once you're past that point, this is what will happen. These are the parts. Um, well, I'll say most of the parts. There's probably a few things in between, but I'll try and get them all in there. So it's like this. They make it. The making, depending on what it is, could take 20 to 30 days, more or less, depending on the volume how many, Mm -hmm. where they are, where you are in their queue of when they can make it, all that kind of stuff. So let's say there's a month there, more or less. Then let's say it goes to shipping. So they will take a truck and move it from their warehouse to a port. And then it will get on a boat or an airplane, depending on how you ship it. Mm -hmm. And if it's on a boat from China, it's going to take four to six weeks. It just will. And so you need to plan for that. If it's on an airplane, it can be there in maybe three days, you know? Um, but you'll pay for it. But you'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so there's that, and then, then it comes on the boat and it, it gets to something called. You'll get to LA or wherever, and it's going to go to customs. Sometimes, depending on what it is, there's some insurance that's involved. There's some, uh, what's it called? I mean, there's taxes involved. Mm-hmm. Whatever customs do. So there's that piece, and then once it gets through customs. Then it's going to go to wherever you want them to put it. If it's going across the country, they'll probably put it on a train. Like we have people using FBA fulfilled by Amazon. So we have stuff getting on a truck to a warehouse. And usually the warehouse we use are what are called third-party logistics companies, three PLs. So you don't have to have your own building. You just pay basically per pallet size. Um, And then they will also ship it for you. So someone buys it 
they will mail it for you to them. They'll right. charge, but they have bulk discounts because they mail so much stuff out on shipping, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fulfillment. So anyways, we'll have a truck go to a warehouse in LA or whatever, and then we'll have a train and or you know big truck going to different locations around the country, all the way to the East Coast, whatever. This is big stuff, right? But Or it's just going to your garage. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And now, at, at that point, at that point, it's all on you. I mean, you have it in your house. And if you want your life to be, I'm going to the mailbox every day, or you're going to hire someone to go to the mailbox for you every day, you know, mm-hmm. the post office, like that's up to you. Um, but you got to start somewhere. And at some point you're going to realize that going to the post office every day is, is horrible. <laughs> and you're going to move it to a warehouse or hire someone to do that part for you. But those are the pieces. Those are the pieces. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that really helps frame like every, all the different things that need to happen. And, space requirements and you know amazon fba yeah there's fees involved but it can definitely see that being worth it for for many different products for sure um one last thing because we've talked about a lot of this already but okay let's say it's selling and it's going very well yes and at some point you're going to run out um Mm -hmm. let's talk about getting more of that product are are there any things to worry about is there a certain point at which you should start thinking about that like 50 percent inventory or like i've heard of like even my friends who do some of the stuff that they say that well the the manufacturer just can't make them anymore because of this reason or that reason or or it's it's (laughs) delayed you know so all these kinds of things yeah okay so about that just so people understand like it's not Things just don't happen. Like there really is a person, an individual. It's not just a machine. There is an individual. Like for fly fishing rods, I saw a person standing, sitting there with a paintbrush. This is not a joke. The pole, the rod is spinning. And the person sitting there with a paintbrush while the rod spins to put that little line, you Mm -hmm. know, around. Mm -hmm. Like these are these are people. So I mean, sometimes supplies run out, sometimes the the price of materials goes up, kind of like the stock market, like everyday materials change prices. It's it's crazy stuff. But long story short, assuming that everything's fine, um, when you do another order, you don't have to go through that whole process of how to make it. It's right. just a matter of like okay, now make it. We already have the price. We already have this. There's more to it than that, especially with the shipping, logistics, and fulfillment. But still, you got to watch how fast your inventory is is turning, right? Right. And if the turnover is like super fast and you know it's going to take 30 days to make it, <laughs> six weeks to get to you, plus the three or four days it takes to deliver it to the person from your garage to their house, I mean, we're talking two or three months out. Yeah. So... There may be a point where you're like, I need a quick order, hurry, just rush it to me, just make a few. It's going to be super expensive, but it's okay. Put it on an airplane. That might happen. But if you're a planning person, well, yeah, you got to see how fast things are turning over and just plan ahead. So like for John, he's, he's the most, just like you, um, transparent person in the world. So we first like, you know, did his first order of his Freedom Journals and he's like, oh crap, these are selling like crazy. I need more. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we're like, yeah, you do. And actually, we had already made more than he intended in the first place because we said, look, man, you're a cool guy. You're going to sell a lot of these. The ship To ship it twice is like the shipping is going to be kind of the same price. So it's going to be almost like twice the shipping. You might as well make more now. But then he did even better than we expected, and we had to do it again. So you know, there's a lot to it, and it's just 
you have to understand how fast it's turning over. One more example. We have um, a lady making – she was on John's podcast too. Her name's Mihoko. She's making these these hair things for girls. She's crushing it, selling tons of these things. She's running out of them really fast. What do I do? What do I do? And so we talk to manufacturer. We try to have them – at this point, we're negotiating with them saying, can you just hold off on other people's stuff <laughs> and do ours, please? You know what I mean? And yeah. so – there is some negotiating on time, and actually you can negotiate on time too, on pricing. So you go like, hey, if you can take longer to do it, can I pay you less? Or you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's all kinds of tips and tricks there too. So yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a lot involved obviously, and this is why services like yours exist. Uh, and it sounds like <laughs> a, an amazing one yeah. that can help take care of a lot of these things. So It's all the stuff no one wants to do. <laughs> you know? It's like, I just want to sell something. Why do I have to do all this other stuff? <laughs> That's where we come in. <laughs> well, Product, P-R-O-U-D-U-C-T uh, dot com. Is that right? That's right. All right. Yeah. Is, is where you should guys go if you want to check uh, out that. And uh, Richie, do you have like a, a blog or a website where people can go to or to find out more about you? Sure. So just me, RichieNorton.com, R-I-C-H-I-E. And I have something called the 76-Day Challenge. Um, I have a son that he passed away. He was only 76 days old. And so I try to plan uh, my... Uh, I don't know, my projects around that time period, I'm like, you know, if you only live that long, what could I do in that time period? And I realized it's almost three months. I can do anything in that time period. So I put this kind of hold your hold you by the hand thing, like here's an idea, here's the next step, and I kind of hold you accountable to get it done in that time period. So there's that. It's a freebie, richnorton.com slash seven six day challenge. And yeah, man, Google me, whatever, like <laughs> I got all kinds of good stuff for you. It's like 99% of stuff's free. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I'm like Santa Claus or something. <laughs> you're, so, you're, yeah. you're awesome, man. Thank you thank you for that. I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes for everybody. And last thing, uh, your book, which is actually published in 2013, but still getting a lot of great rave reviews. Um, it's called The Power of Starting Something Stupid. What do, you, what do you mean by that? And why should we start stuff that's stupid? So I started doing a bunch of research on what makes people successful, just like a lot of people do. And I realized it was obvious that people who are successful in one way or another, however you define it, start things. And then I created an acronym for the word start, which is serve, think, ask, receive, and trust. And I found that everyone from like activists to like hardcore business people, they start with service. They thank people they're working with. Then they earn the right to ask for something in a way that matches their mission with their mission. Then they receive the opportunity to, you know, take it to the next step. And then they trust the process. So that was the idea. But what was interesting was the people I was researching, they didn't just start something. They started something that someone once called stupid mm. or crazy. You can't do this or it should be for somebody else. And once I saw that angle like everything changes. I started like diving into the history of people that started things that were successful to see were they called stupid? Did they think they were crazy? Was it this? And it was overwhelmingly yes. I mean, how many times have you thought of something and go, this is a stupid idea, but you do it anyways, and it turns out to be the smartest thing you ever did. Quite you know, <laughs> and it's not always that way, but even like starting your podcast back in the day when you first had the first one, someone's like, you think you're gonna make money doing this thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't really know, but it's that way all the time. And so I try to inspire people with those stories, but then make it actionable and say, if you have a stupid idea or you want one, here's how to get it so you can live a life without regret. And here's how to do it. And so we kind of teach people how to people have done it before and how you can do it too. That's sweet, dude. Thanks for that. And I'll put the uh, link in the show notes for The Power of Starting Something Stupid by Richie Norton. Richie, thank you for coming on and inspiring us and giving us the lowdown on how this all works. Man, I love you so much. Thanks, brother. That was really fun. <laughs> really cool. 
Thank you. We'll follow up. I'll keep you up to date on, on all the calendar stuff and uh, everybody else listening too. We'll, we'll keep you up to date as well. Thanks, Richie. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Richie Norton, again, from Prouduct.com. That's P-R-O-U-D-U-C-T.com. And also the author of The Power of Starting Something Stupid. And, you know, a lot of people, when I started this podcast, they thought I was stupid. They thought the way that I, uh, that I was going to do it was stupid, having these random fun facts about me at the beginning of every episode. But you know what? turned out to be an amazing thing and I think we all have to get through sort of starting something that may seem stupid in order to get to the great stuff so keep starting stupid stuff guys keep keep doing it uh, and again thank you Richie for coming on the show if you want to get all the links and the resources mentioned in this episode head on over to the blog come on over smartpassiveincome.com slash session 270 is where you go and then finally as a reminder Hey guys, find me on Facebook right now. Go to facebook.com slash smartpassiveincome. Join me there because I'll be doing a lot more live streams. I'm uh, gonna be doing Ask Pat Live where you can ask me a question and interact with me every single Friday, 1.30 p.m. Pacific. Again, that's facebook.com slash smartpassiveincome plus many other live streams ready to help you with whatever you need help with. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to spend it with me. And if you have a moment, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Be very, very thankful for you if you did that. Uh, Keep crushing it, guys. Take care. See you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.